Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In this show, we discuss documentation. Teams new to Agile often underestimate the need for it. We talk about what kinds of documentation are still needed and why, and provide some tips for ensuring that there is just the right amount of documentation and that it provides value without being a burden. Hey Santosh, how are you? I'm doing well. I uh, hope everything is uh, back to normal on your side. Yes, everything's fine, thank you. That said, we did have some uh, personnel changes where I work, and in the process we found some documentation gaps that will definitely cause us some challenges. So I thought that today we could discuss documentation in an agile world. Yeah, I think... Uh, that is always a misconception or ton of questions come our way always about the documentation. Right. And I think partly that's because people look at the Agile Manifesto, which says we've come to value working software over comprehensive documentation. But they seem to ignore the next statement, which is that is while there is value in the items on the right, we value the items on the left more. Yeah, and I think also the uh, you know that every word in that statement counts. It's like working software over comprehensive. That means right. it does, does not need to be tons and tons of you know useless documentation. There is it never says no documentation. It says that's, comprehensive. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Product owners and the engineering teams usually communicate, of course, in meetings and during backlog refinement, but ultimately everything tends to go into epics and stories. But those are really not good forms of documentation when you think about the early phases of setting up a project where you need to communicate with stakeholders and you need to really capture market requirements. And so to do that, you really still need some kind of MRD or PRD not quite on the scale that it would have been produced in the waterfall world, but you still need some kind of presentation or some document that captures the essence of why you're building the software. Yeah, and I think that documentation is what is the basis for the dialogue that follows, because that's when the iteratively teams and the product owners and the stakeholders communicate saying, oh, this is what I meant, or this is what this specific thing is, uh, because they start with a high level and then they decompose into the smaller epics or sub-epics or stories. So, yeah, there is a trail of documentation and there is has to be also uh, like a traceability as to you know, every user story that you're building, there has to be trace up to the portfolio or theme or initiative or feature, why you're building that. And the documentation behind that is going to pro provide that linkage. That's right. And along the same lines, one good technique for communicating with all stakeholders as well as the teams is to do something like a product box or a press release before you write any software. And the idea is to really capture in a very succinct way what the product is about. And right. once you have that, it really 
allows people to to focus on what's important and what's not important. And by the way, if you can't get your stakeholders to agree on something that short, for sure they're not going to agree or even understand all the details that you might put into a longer document. Right, right. And I think the the it gets lost in translation. Basically, that's the challenge. And uh, what I what I see is um, the type of documentation has changed, but the purpose of the documentation has not. Correct. What would be some other examples that you can think of of important documentation? I think if you look at the very basic things, the framework like a technical architecture. So suppose there are some guidelines as to what type of architecture uh, or a vertical stack uh, that has been technology stack is being used. That needs to be communicated across uh, all the te- teams so that they know what is the size of the sandbox they are playing. And that is essential for that point of view. I think the other one that always comes to my mind is the user research and the UX design as what was, like if they have done A-B testing or focus groups or you know how the UX um, you know, templates are being uh, built for certain type of interchanges or the design. So that needs to be uh, communicated. Um, the software design doesn't go away because you have to have a design review. Even for the story, uh, you need to do, get a design review of the story. Uh, so it's it's like uh, the smaller compass. The only thing that we are changing here also is a smaller size so that you are not reading tons and tons of software design document. And if you can embed that into your user story body itself, that makes it even better. So there is a place, and uh, that's where we we are seeing where the the documentation needs are coming. Yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to add? Well, you just brought back horrible memories of (laughs) sitting in meetings with 20, 30 people reviewing a huge software design or actually even requirements documents where I'm sure half the people had no idea what was going on. They were half asleep, bored, multitasking. (laughs) So, you know, really, it's the idea of just doing enough to communicate what's important. And it's really, the communication shouldn't be through the document. It should be through the human interaction to reach that common understanding. Exactly. The documentation facilitates it and then provides a record afterwards. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you brought up a good point that, you know, usually the documentation is, for example, the team uh, makes some decisions based upon uh, whatever that, you know, is like, oh, yeah, we'll use this type of uh, software architecture or we will limit only these use cases. If that is the case, somewhere it has to be written as to why we are limiting this or what was that decision being made and the rationale behind that. So then, as you said, posterity point of view as to six months from now, somebody looks at it as to why the heck did they do that? That thing is right there, either in the user story or at the higher level, but that's what the uh, documentation means. It is the backbone of certain decisions and uh, limitations and architectures and those kind of things. 
Yeah, and actually, you just also reminded me of a, another thing that happened to me when I was a product owner. I had a very clear vision in my mind of how a series of stories would lead to the desired outcome. And each story was really a different case of a common piece of functionality. So to me, it was all clear. But I realized that the engineers that were working on the stories didn't obviously know what was coming next. So they just saw if this condition happens, then do this, this and that. And then in the next sprint, if this condition happens, do this, this and that. (laughs) And so then when I realized there was a problem I created, it was literally a one page document that put everything into context. And that problem just went away because, yes, all the stories were modular, but people could refer to that one page and get the big picture. Right, exactly. And I think the uh, other thing that that helps is... uh, we always talk about the definition of done. So basically, how does a team know when they are done? And if it is documented from that point of view as to what kind of um, end results are expected uh, in a succinct way, then it makes a lot more easier for team to think about even breaking up to the task level what they need to do. So it's it's essential to have some kind of a guidance or, or the explanation but that should trigger the dialogue, not in lieu of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And definitely other examples would be uh, test cases, test plans, things that are actually quite long lived mm-hmm. and especially need to be repeated over and over again. I mean, hopefully a team automates as much as possible, but still right. yeah. very often when some functionality is new, in a lot of teams, it's not realistic, unfortunately, to get everything automated within that sprint. Right. And maybe, you, although we don't like it, the reality is in many organizations, you might have a offshore test team. <laughs> and when that happens, you definitely need documentation that they can follow. Right. And the other thing also is that um, the bugs are found. Uh, you need to adjust the test cases because uh, because of the... Um, maybe the um, way the test cases were constructed, some bugs slipped through that. So you need to document that as to why these test cases had to be modified so that going forward, you know how how that that has been, all the uh, technical debt has been uh, addressed. So there is a full circle there. And that's like a part of the feedback loop into the test case and plans. So yeah, there is there is the tr- trace of how the, those things are being uh, implemented, or the decisions have been made to how to address those uh, uh, test cases, their plans, and those kind of things. Absolutely. And the, and the other thing that that I always see is that uh, when you have the cross-functional teams, especially the deployment team, deployment team comes at the last, and if they don't have uh, you know, the, the old conventional, I mean, it's this still there. It's like, even if you are using Jenkins or whatever those tools are, uh, you still need uh, some details uh, about how that thing is being plugged in. And those have to be handed over to them. Or when, in an you know, ideal world, it, there could be a vertical, vertically stacked team where those team members are part of it, but 
in even in that case uh, they need to have a some kind of a document which and, and there could be a template that they may be using but that's where a common exchange sits and that's a minimal uh, documentation need for uh, deployment is especially the cic you know continuous integration and continuous deployment the components of devops where dev- developers and operations work together yeah and related to that just the the processes themselves not only the the content of each release and how certain functionality needs to be deployed but just overall processes also need to be documented because in certain organizations the process is very important and has to be repeatable and may be audited and so on so you need to have yeah you need to have processes documented as well right and and i mean the typical example of that is like uh, you need to have the working agreements documented as to you know how this whole group is going to work uh, the definition of done that kind of th- those things are uh, irrespective of what type of uh, organization you have that's the common ground and those things are needed from uh, organization to even function right with those things in mind one thing that excites me personally is when i see just a very pragmatic approach to documentations which could even be just uh, pictures taken with a phone of a whiteboard and just put into a document um, one of the things that really drives me nuts is documents that have about four pages of introduction before you get to any meet with all the revision controls and <laughs> people who have to sign off and i think again it depends on the industry that you're in and the organization but in many cases that's where i feel that documentation can be just unnecessarily verbose the sign of you know extra documentation uh, means that the dialogue is not happening and i'm i've been into so many uh, um, places that they said oh just send me an email i'm like no don't the emails don't do talking emails create email hell so <laughs> you know it's it's like it is kind of i mean you can always summarize in email what we talked about but email is not the answer treated as a documentation yeah so here's a, a tip um when you write documentation think about who your customer is who's going to read it mm-hmm. and then make sure that you get feedback from your customer regarding the documentation and is it sufficient and is it okay if we keep improving it over time and again it's it's all about making sure that people really understand the content the documentation just provides a record it should not be the mechanism for communication because we know that it cannot be trusted for that yeah. you really need to get immediate feedback from somebody saying back to you what they understood so you can verify that they understood it correctly and then you can put it in documentation or that documentation might have already existed but you go through it and make sure it's complete together and again you don't want to spend more time on documentation than you have to so the sooner everybody's in agreement there's an understanding and the key aspects have been documented you just move on you know funny you should mention this because uh, 
I've seen somewhere or uh, one of the clients that we had, we actually uh, looked at how the structure of a documentation should read like. And one of the things at the top lines were audience for this documentation, intended audience for this documentation. And that made things a lot more easier because people in that group or that uh, role said, oh, I better read this because this is something that is going to help my job to get it done. And that made a huge difference. And that actually started changing the thinking of people saying, who am I writing this for? And then it filtered unnecessary jargon or anything of that nature. I think that might be a, a good point to end on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's um, this is this is great. I think we covered a lot of areas, and uh, I'd love to hear back from our audience as to what kind of documentation challenges they have seen and how did they overcome that. Definitely. All right, thanks, Santosh, and thanks, thank everyone. You. All right, thank you.